In our text today, we see that there's a principle that extends throughout God's working with humanity, that he seems to choose those least likely, according to their ambient culture, to be able to accomplish his kingdom purposes in his creative world. We'll see that in this story, he chooses to make an army out of the disqualified. We'll see that when the day of Pentecost comes, he also chooses those that seem least likely to accomplish the task, and yet he empowers them with his spirit to do just that. Are you willing to serve today? Even if others around you, or even you yourself, don't think that you're eminently qualified, would you be willing to accept the statement of God's righteousness imputed to you in Jesus Christ, that he has empowered and ennobled you for service? If you've joined the new kingdom of the new covenant in Jesus' blood through repentance, water baptism in his name, and through the infilling of the Holy Spirit, then friend, you're qualified to serve in the so-called army of the disqualified. Let's get into it. Amen. Second Kings chapter 6. Second Kings chapter 6. And I'm going to be reading... Uh, verses 24 and 25. It came to pass after this that Ben-Hadad, Ben-Hadad, king of Assyria, gathered all his hosts. Everybody say everybody. everybody. You've seen that saying, Memphis versus everybody? It was Israel versus everybody. They, they got everybody they could to come. And they went up and besieged Samaria. Samaria was the northernmost kingdom of God's covenant people. There's a great famine in Samaria. And by great, it doesn't mean awesome. It means terrible. So much so, so much so, that an ass's head, a donkey's head, brought 80 pieces of silver. You won't talk about inflation. Now, a human life could be bought for 30 pieces of silver. You could buy the services of a servant for the duration of their life for 30 pieces of silver. That's why Jesus was sold for that amount. That's why it was prophesied. You're talking about two and a half lifetimes of labor for one meal, and it wasn't prime rib from certified Angus. It was the head of a donkey. For two and a half lifetimes of labor. Millions in our economy. Can't eat that high on the hog? Got a deal for you, Brother Denison. They'll sell you a quarter of a piece of dove poo. The King James calls it a cab of dove's dung for five pieces of silver. Not appetizing. Nobody's going to come to that church social. But these people were in such desperation. That's what happened. Later in the chapter, it describes even cannibalism because people were so desperate in their famine. Now, in the middle of all this, look at verse uh, chapter 7, verse 1. Chapter 7, verse 1. God brings a word from his prophet Elisha, and it says, Hear the word of the Lord. The Lord says, Tomorrow about this time, a measure of fine flour is going to be sold for a shekel, and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. It'd be like if they stood up at the White House and said, gas will be 19 cents a gallon. 
on Monday at 8 o'clock. <laughs> you flip over to another channel. See, you say, those people are crazy. But they said, it's all going to change in about 24 hours. Then a Lord, whose hand the king leaned on, he answered the man of God. He said, if God opened the windows of heaven, it couldn't happen. There's one in every crowd. And some crowds have more than one. There's a critic who doesn't believe God's miraculous intervention. Well, prophet says, you'll see it, but you're not going to get to eat a bit of it. Let me just pause right here in the middle of the text and just remind you, be careful who and what you're critical of because God might place you in a position of observation but not privilege you with participation. Be careful who and what you're critical of because God might show you something that you don't get to participate in. I never want to criticize and put God in the mood to keep me out of the blessing. If somebody's being blessed, I want to celebrate with them because I don't want to have to hide and watch while you get blessed. Have you heard my mother say hide and watch? She said that before. Dan, you remember saying that? I don't want to have to hide and watch somebody else get blessed. I want to be a participant in God's blessing. Verse 3, four leprous men at the entering of the gate they said to one another, why are we going to sit here until we die? If we say we enter the city, the famine's in the city, we're going to die there. We sit here, we're going to die too. Say, come, let us fall unto the host of the Syrians. That's that everybody. Let's go to the Syrians. If they save us alive, we'll live. If they kill us, at least I don't have to eat doves, dumb. I'm not going to sit here and sit here and sit here. Something's got to change. Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. Jesus looks at this dude who has been so impetuous. He's been so uh, unstable. He's been so up and down. Worse than the stock market. You would never want to have Peter as a neighbor. You definitely didn't want him as a brother-in-law. This guy, you would not elect him for alderman. Position 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Peter was, he was the poster child for instability. Jesus says, I say to you, you're Peter, and upon this rock I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Today, the army of the disqualified. The army of the disqualified. Brother Jim, would you lift your voice and ask the Lord to bless his word in our hearts today. Lord, we thank you for what you're about to give us, O God. We worship you, praise you, and ask you to apply it to our lives, God, that we might learn and grow in you. We thank you for all things, O God, in the name of Jesus. Amen. September 1st, 1940. The appeasement strategy of Neville Chamberlain and other uh, spirit, uh, political leaders in Europe failed. And a demagogue, a megalomaniac, a lunatic named Adolf Hitler directed his tanks across the Polish border, beginning one of the greatest conflagrations of human conflict of the 20th century, or indeed of all of history. Before it was over, uh, I believe it's over 100 nations would be involved in what was called the Second 
World War. It happened on September 1st. September 16th in our country, although we were not at war, September 16th, 1940, Congress established a military draft. They passed an act called the Selective Service and Training Act. Selective Training and Service Act. And although we had not yet declared war, and indeed wouldn't for another 15 months until Japan brought war to our doorstep, our nation's leaders were concerned that Britain and France would not be able to hold Germany. And it was true. They overran France in six weeks, and Britain stood alone. 50 million people registered for the draft. Signed up. There's males from age 18 to 45. You had to send in your card. You had to put your social security number, your date of birth, and all that. It's a draft card. 50 million people registered. Brother Mark, the next slide. Many of them were never called. They just had their data in a bank. But many were. And 10 million were selected to serve our country in the armed forces. I want to recognize today any person who has ever served our country in any capacity in the United States military, and I want to give them honor for that. You guys know that we have Brother Jim Young, a 96-year-old Battle of the Bulge veteran, Bronze Star winner, who ordinarily drives himself to church. He was exposed to COVID this week. He's doing fine, but out of abundance of caution, he's not here today. But we're thankful for our veterans. Amen? Appreciate our veterans. Amen. That's all right. It's okay to applaud. Ten million men were called to serve this country in World War II. I was completely unaware of this fact until I studied for this sermon. Thomas, do you have any idea how many went down to the draft board and were ruled disqualified? Ten million. Uncle Danny... For every person who put on army green, there was one man they sent home. And they said, you're not qualified. Ten million people. There were hundreds of conditions that would disqualify you from military service. Acne. Psoriasis. Flat feet. Lack of hearing schizophrenia. Some of it was seemingly trivial. Some of it was extremely serious. But if you got the 4F stamp on your paper, that meant you didn't have to go to Belgium, but you had to go home. Sounds like a get-out-of-jail-free card. Sounds like something's awesome, but there was a stigma of being disqualified that many of these men carried the rest of their lives as their neighbor grocer or their school teacher friend or their mechanic friend went and faced fascism and forced Hitler to capitulate, these guys couldn't participate. Look at the picture again, and you'll see, you'll notice a few things. There's no black person in this picture. African Americans were allowed to serve, but they had to serve in segregated units. And because they served in segregated units, it was hard logistically for African Americans to serve. They often weren't trusted with frontline duties. They often were put in support personnel units, 
even though during times when they were allowed to serve in combat, they performed excellently. There's a, a, a fighter group that was allowed to, to go with bombers, and their rate of bombers getting back safely was one of the highest in the United States military at that time. There are no women in this photograph. There are no Hispanic persons in this photograph. Again, women served, but they, they served in support levels. But some of the conditions that kept a person from service, again, were, were pretty trivial. trivial. I, I begin to wonder this week, 10 million served, 10 million got sent home. I begin to wonder how much shorter the war could have been if all of those who call, were called had been chosen rather than rejected. But how many millions of lives of Jewish people could have been saved in those camps if we hadn't sent all those guys that had acne home? If we hadn't looked at somebody and measured their foot arch and said, well, you can't march eight miles, so you can't be part of the army. If Uncle Sam had been a little more generous with the qualifications rather than stringent, could World War II have ended in 1943? Could have it ended in 44? It would have saved Dietrich Bonhoeffer's life, great pastor theologian. Dietrich Bonhoeffer died in May 1945, murdered by the Nazis. How many more millions, untold millions, could have been saved if we had had those folks that were sent home. Here's a picture of George S. Patton. He's speaking to members of the Third Army. This picture's taken in March 1945. Patton's Third Army is not only one of the most famous military units of World War II, it's one of the most famous units of all of history. I personally took care of a member of Patton's Third Army. And 50 years after, when I said, did you know Patton? He started crying. And I didn't know why. And then he started cussing, and he told me why. <laughs> and he told me a few things about General Patton that I won't repeat in this forum. And if I do repeat them in another forum, I'll have to clean it up a little bit. But it ends with, he was a good soldier, and he knew how to run an army. Patton's Third Army went all the way across France into Germany and ran war down Hitler's throat. They were a mighty army, a tremendous army, that broke the back of fascism in Europe. But at its height of strength, Jeff Patton's Third Army only had 240,000 people in it. 240,000. If I had the 10 million disqualified men at my disposal, Thomas, I could make 43 of Patton's Third, third Armies. 43. What could we have done if we had 43 armies of those that were sent home? Now, I understand those who had severe mental illness couldn't serve. I know that some had disabilities that did, truly did make them unfit for service. But I'm not sure the guys with acne couldn't have served well in the South Pacific under the sun. Scott, maybe the flat footers couldn't march 100 miles. Probably could have flown an airplane. I'm not sure about the wisdom of being in a conflict and sending people home and saying, you're not good enough to serve with me or for me. There was an entire army of people who were not allowed to serve because somebody with a rubber stamp said, no, you're not good enough to be part of our organization. What 
if we could have had an army of the disqualified. They never got a chance to prove themselves. They never got an opportunity to participate in the fight because of that stamp. They never were allowed to assist in the defeat of evil because someone decided they didn't measure up. The army of the disqualified never fired a shot. The army of the disqualified never took a Nazi prisoner. The army of the disqualified never set one person free in those striped pajamas from those awful camps at Dachau and Madhausen and across Europe because the army of the disqualified never got a chance. It brings us to our text today. The people of God were in trouble. They desperately needed deliverance. The entire military might of the Syrian nation was arrayed against them. Siege warfare had devastated the means of food production and people were starving. If I keep preaching after a while, you might rumble next to your spouse or friend and say, I'm kind of hungry. I'm hungry. Not like these people. Not like these people. We've never possibly been as hungry as they were. Against this backdrop, God sends a word through his prophet Elijah. It's all going to turn around. But for this task of deliverance, here's my point today. God chose the most unlikely set of elite shock troops that you can possibly imagine. He didn't go get the Navy SEALs. He didn't get the Green Berets. He didn't get the Delta Force. He went and got four people that themselves were at death's door and couldn't even go home to their families because they had a contagious illness that caused them to have to cry out everywhere they went, I'm unclean, get away from me, I will kill you, I'm infected. Those were the kind of people that God chose to destroy the entire host of the Syrian army. They couldn't get inside the city to starve, much less fight. They were no good to anybody, including themselves, in their own eyes. And yet, yet, they were courageous enough to make a decision. Why am I going to keep just sitting here being satisfied with the same? Can I tell you today that if you're brave enough to become unsatisfied, God is good enough to make sure you're not disqualified. If there's enough gumption in you that you will say, I want things to change, that there's enough power in Him that things will change if you will call on His name. If you'll decide that you want to be part of the army, He will qualify you today. And wonderful things can happen around you if you're just willing to get up and stop complaining and willing to get up and start walking toward where His Word says there's peace and prosperity and help today. <laughs> Why are we going to allow ourselves to succumb to the situation? What's the worst thing that can happen? I won't have to join the dove dung dinner. What's the worst thing that could happen? What's the worst thing that could happen today if you believe the Lord? What if it is all fake? What if I'm just here for the monumental offer? today? What if I just want the attention? What if it's all hocus pocus and the Roman soldiers burn Jesus' body somewhere? What's the worst thing that could happen if you believed on Jesus today? What's the worst thing that could happen if you put some trust in the Lord? The worst thing that could happen is you wasted an hour 
You met some nice people, and you walk out that door with the same problems that you walked in. But it didn't cost you a lot. You didn't have to get drunk to do it. You didn't have to sell anything to do it. But what's the best thing that could happen today? I'm telling you, army of the disqualified, if you actually believe Jesus and it's true, your circumstance could change. You could walk in defeated and walk out victorious. You could walk in discouraged and you could walk out triumphant. You could walk in with a problem and you could walk out with a problem solver because I'm telling you, when you become dissatisfied, he makes sure that you become qualified. Let me tell you a secret today. Let me tell you a secret today. It's the same to God to deliver by many or by few. He doesn't need us to have a church of 500 people to affect 13,000 in Arlington. He doesn't need you to have multi-millions in the bank before you can be effective at helping someone in our community. He chose these lepers not because they were strong. He chose them, I would submit to you, because they were weak. Because God was going to bring the victory one way or the other. It was always already prophesied. Elijah had already spoken it. They were going to have a sale on food the next day. The farmer's market was going to be full. Everybody was going to have enough to eat. And the prices were going to be better than they were at Aldi or Kroger or Ollie's. It was going to be double discount day in, in Samaria that day because God had already determined it but he was just looking for a few people who would be willing to be part of the process that wouldn't take all the credit one of the reasons why you're sitting in this pew today even if you feel disqualified even if you feel less than even if you feel like that you're not the one that God might move through you're not the one that God might bless someone through you're not the one that might not make a difference let me tell you something the very reason why God chooses you and the very reason why God chooses me is he wants to make sure that when deliverance comes it's his name that gets the glory not your name that gets the glory it's his name that's lifted up not our name that's lifted up if God worked a financial miracle for you and we had Reverend Bill Gates sitting in the congregation, then you might make a mistake that it was actually Mr. Gates that did the good works. But when God does the work through one of us and he blesses and multiplies and helps somebody, it's his name that gets the praise. It's his name that gets the glory. I just want to be part of that army. I just want to be part of what God is doing. Is anybody else feel that today, that you want to be part of the process of God's deliverance? He doesn't need an elite force doesn't need magnificent troops. He doesn't need people that always look the best in the uniform. And I know it's Sunday, so, you know, some people wore ties today. Some people wore, Scott wore a great casual outfit. It looks awesome. If you haven't seen Scott today, you need to see that. It's awesome. Real men wear pink. He looks great. I know we look at that. But it doesn't matter to God if you looked apart or not. It doesn't matter if you impress somebody or not. You ever been around one of those people that when you start talking about the Lord, they change into a different voice? Oh, and then the Lord said to me. They got that preacher voice? You don't even have to pray in a preacher voice for God to move. You don't have to yell at anybody for God to move. And I know I'm yelling. I just get zealous. Sorry. You don't have to lay hands on somebody's head and shake them until they have a seizure. Or they have to go to Sims Murphy for repair for God to move. It doesn't matter. As long as God can get somebody willing, he will 
always be able because the ability and the power and the might doesn't come from you. It doesn't come from me. It doesn't come from how we look or what we say or how good we are. It comes from who He is and what He has said and how good He is. I wish somebody today would grab a hold of what I'm saying and understand what I'm trying to communicate today. That God wants to do great things through you. That God wants to help somebody through you. That God wants to deliver somebody not through somebody that looks the part or is this and that. God wants to use us. Somebody say me. 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 We started with, you know, Samaria versus everybody. I wish we could end this service with hell versus everybody. And what I mean is I wish every one of us would take it upon ourselves to be part of God's army today. If we will bring the obedience and the unity God will bring the victory. Can I just give you a few more examples? This theme of choosing unlikely heroes. Unlikely heroes. In the war between the kingdom of the prince of darkness and the kingdom of God, it continues throughout your Bible. God seems to delight in choosing the unlikely people, the weakest of champions, the strangest channels for deliverance to flow through. Can we just... Take a moment and go through the platoon of the army of the disqualified today. Can I just show you a few people that had the red rubber stamp of civilization on them? It just, loser may as well have been stamped across their forehead as far as the world was concerned. Here's Gideon. The angel says, hail, mighty man of valor. Sounds like a joke to a guy who's hiding behind the wine press, shaking in his leather thong biblical sandals. Gideon, mighty man of valor, scaredy cat. But that's the guy that God chooses for deliverance. Moses is going to speak the great law that all of our laws will be based on. It's the law, Sheila, that's going to make the people of God a covenant people. He's going to go to the most powerful man on the earth, and he's going to say, I won't even repeat it because there are those with speech impediments, but when he said, let my people go, he didn't sound like let my people go. He couldn't say it plainly because God chooses a person to speak the law that can't even talk in the right way that we accept. Moses had a speech impediment. Unlikely heroes, army of the disqualified. David's going to be a king and God's anointed. But Brother Denison, his own father doesn't even acknowledge him as a son. Most likely to win friends and influence people? Hardly. Here's a little slave girl. She doesn't even get her name in Scripture. We don't even know who her name was. She's not even mentioned in the story by name. She's a war prisoner. She's a survivor of unspeakable trauma. But you know who got delivered because of her? His name is Naaman. And he dipped in the Jordan River. She was as disqualified as you could possibly get. She was a piece of property as far as culture was concerned. But God used her to deliver the captain of the largest army in the region at that time. Woman at the well, <laughs> you can't even get anyone to join her to draw water. But she's going to draw the entire town to hear this prophet that told me everything I ever did. Think about it, Jim. Nobody would even be seen with her. But when Jesus allowed his presence to contact her and he called her, he took the dis 
off of the disqualified, and she became qualified, and everybody believed what she said about Jesus. Be careful who you eliminate from the testimony process. Be careful who you decide has gone too far for God to use them. Be careful who you say can't be used of God because of everything that's happened in their life because they might be used of God because of everything that's happened in their life. God has a way of taking the diss off the disqualifying statements and making people able to be used by him. Small boy whose mother happened to pack him a lunch will be the means of ensuring that 5,000 grown men don't go hungry one afternoon just because he said, hey, I've got something. And Andrew had enough sense to say, hey, he's got something. And Jesus had enough obedience to look to the Father and say, he's got a lot. And by the time I'm finished, all you people that make fun of little people with little things are going to be wiping fish grease off your mouths because he's going to do the work and everybody is going to have more than enough and there's going to be 12 baskets left over when God is finished. I want to be part of this army of the disqualified. I want to be one of those people that doesn't have enough. I want to be one of those people that doesn't have enough reputation, doesn't have enough money, doesn't have enough resource or enough wisdom, but I've got more than enough God. Finally, finally, at his resurrection, I love this. I absolutely love this because diversion, equity, uh, uh, diversion, diversity, uh, uh, equity, and inclusion is not something that came to the church late as part of some uh, governmental program. We haven't been educated into diversity. Let me tell you something about diversity. At his resurrection, Jesus tells the women to go tell his disciples that he's resurrected. Why did he choose the women? Maybe because they were there. They were available. I don't know. I don't know. I will tell you this. I will remind you of this. Harrison, in Jewish law, the witness of a woman could not even be allowed in court because women didn't count. But when the Lord of the universe, Adonai, raised his body from the dead, he said, I'm going to use somebody whose testimony doesn't count to be the first testimony of my resurrection. Because when I build an army, I start with the ones nobody else notices. When I build a, a people that's going to transform this earth and bring my kingdom to bear, I start with those that nobody else listens to. So the very first witnesses of the resurrection were women, and they were people that nobody else would trust their testimony. I'm telling you, your entire Bible, this entire kingdom of God is built on people that don't belong there. It's built on people that don't fit in. It's built on people that were disqualified according to their culture, but they were qualified according to their God. So I tell you today, and I remind you, that you need to listen to this preacher today. And if you won't trust me, I hope that you'll trust Paul, because he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 26, not many wise are chosen, not many noble are chosen, not many mighty and strong according to this world. So if you're wise today, I congratulate you. That's great. We love you. If you just won the Yard of the Month Club, 
congratulations. You can cut your grass, and you're awesome. If your garage looks fantastic, it's better than mine. I salute you today, sir. I salute you, ma'am, if every hair's in place. I salute you if all your kids look great and never interrupt anybody and never pick their nose. I, I salute you if you've got it all together, but you are an endangered species in the kingdom of God because when God goes to build an army, he doesn't pick like you and I pick. He doesn't look like you and I look, and he doesn't watch like you and I watch. He looks for those that don't have enough. He looks for those that have had the problems. He looks for those that don't fit in because the Bible says the reason he does it is that no flesh will glory in his presence. I'm telling you, there's a revival that is here in Arlington, Tennessee, and in West Tennessee. It's going to continue, and God is going to deliver people. There are marriages that are going to be put back together. There are those that are sick that are going to be healed. There are those that are depressed today and have thought about taking their own lives, and they're going to laugh again. They're going to have joy again. There are those that are lame today that are going to dance. There are those that are discouraged that are going to receive encouragement. But when it happens, it will be because not some super religious person moved into town. It's going to be because you trusted in the Lord. It's going to be because I trusted that the Lord wanted to use you and wanted to use me. And the reason being is because we're disqualified. The reason being is because we're not enough. The reason being is because we're not special. But he is. I think that you and I, if we were being completely honest, would be fully willing to confess. We're not qualified to serve the master. We're not heroes. He's the hero. But what wondrous grace, what beautiful power he has displayed in choosing to use even us, you, me, in his army. An army the world calls disqualified but through the Apostle Paul, we know is just the ones that God is seeking to do his kingdom work. What kingdom work can you do this week? To whom can you reach out? To whom can you make a difference? By representing Christ in this war between good and evil. Which side are you on today? Hey, let's be soldiers in the army of the disqualified. Thank you for joining us, friend, at Arlington United.